To understand this gospel, we have to remember last Sunday, and I'm sure you all went to church. Raise your hand if you didn't. No, don't do that. Okay, so those of you who, let's just say this, those of you who forgot about last week, last week went like this, who do people say that I am? And they're like, well, with this guy and that guy and this prophet or somebody else. Well, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, bingo, you got it right. And you are Peter, right? He makes him the Pope. And upon you, I will build my church. I mean, if you're Peter, like how, that's a big deal. Like it's always great to get the right answer in class, but that's really the right answer. Like we've been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And Peter, of all the the apostles and all the people, you know, gets it right. So you can imagine how elated he is in that moment. Then we get today, which is the same conversation. So as the conversation continues, after Jesus says, I'm going to found my church on you, Peter, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he then starts to say, and this is what it means to be the Christ. This is what you, you, you may think it's something else, This is what it means. And he starts to talk about how he's going to go to Jerusalem, suffer from all of the, you know, the uh, religious authorities of the time. And finally, he's going to be killed and be raised on the third day. And then Peter, who was just head of his class, immediately is the worst student ever. You can imagine his, his emotional uh, peak and then valley, because immediately upon hearing that the Christ is going to suffer and die, Peter's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand what it is to be the Messiah. That's not, what, that's not the kind of Messiah you're supposed to be. You can't die. No such thing should ever happen to you. And then the valley, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. He just made him the Pope. Upon you, (laughs) I will build my church. Boom, right? I mean, just imagine how that that felt, you know, to everybody there. Just, Satan. Well, okay, now remember what Satan did in the 40 days in the desert with Jesus. What did he do? He tempted him. He tempted him to give up his, if you will, divinity or his, his claim of kingship. He, he, he wanted him to settle, or the temptation was that he would settle for less than he was called to do. Uh, you know, he, he, would, he would sort of exchange worldly uh, prominence and wealth and power. He would give that up and also give up being the Messiah, giving, giving up, of course, the cross. This is how Satan tempted him in the 40 days. It's the same, it's really the same temptation then, because that's what Peter is saying. Give up the cross. That's it. Give up the cross. That can't happen to you. And Jesus knows already, no, no, no. This is what I must do. I must give up my life. This is the only reason I became man. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, quote, I use this quote often. The only man ever to be born solely that he would die. 
the only reason or the sole reason, there's more reasons, but the singular reason, the most important reason, the main point of God becoming man, second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ becoming man was so that he would die. That was always the goal. All of the other stuff is, is great, it's good, and it, and it aims toward that end, right? And it was necessary to found the church, to found the Catholic church, to found the papacy, to teach, uh, to fulfill the law uh, through his teaching, to proclaim the kingdom. But his task was redemption. And Peter didn't know that. He didn't get that. He didn't really understand fully what it meant to be the Christ. But Jesus did. And so the temptation toward Jesus needed a reprimand. It needed to be set straight for all of the disciples. No, this is going to happen. And it must happen. And not only will it happen to me, but it must happen to all of you. Every single one of you to experience redemption must experience death. Wow. And of course, we will. We will. And we often, you know, wonder, even like Peter, I think, why are you this kind of God? Why do you do that? Why did you do it this way? I mean, we can talk about satisfaction, right? That all of the sins of the entirety of the, of the history of the human race demanded satisfaction. That is, they, they demanded justice. What kind of sacrifice could be done? How many people could die? How many, how many animals could be sacrificed? On and on and on. We've heard it throughout the scriptures. There would never be enough sacrifices for the finite to give to make up their sins to the infinite God. It's too wide of a gulf. It necessitated a perfect sacrifice. And the only way you get a perfect sacrifice is if God could die. And God dies in Jesus Christ. His humanity dies. And so therefore, God becomes man. And you have a perfect man who offers a perfect sacrifice. And in doing so, preserves justice for all those who ought to have suffered the condemnation of their sins, but also preserves mercy. Because while at the same time justice was in fact satisfied in Jesus' death, mercy and perfect mercy also was, and that we did not have to undergo that suffering. And yet, because we do sin, not just because of, of original sin, but because of our sins, we have punishment. There is punishment for sin. And that punishment is death. Such as it has it been said since the foundation of, of Judaism and before. The punishment of sin is death. But with Jesus Christ, no longer does death have the last word. And even though he says we must give up our life, and that extends to more than just death, it, you know, uh, temporal reality of death, it also extends to sacrifice throughout our lives. We're called to give up our lives. We're, we're called to learn how to sacrifice, to understand that our lives at their best 
we're at our best when we give our lives away for others. Of course, it's heavy on my heart and so many of you with Father Frank's passing this week. And I can think of, in my recent memory, no greater example than Father Frank, who for so many years, since the time of Moses, <laughs> you can hear him laughing, you know, you can still see him and saying something back. Um, for so many years, sacrificed his life for his beloved people. And that's what life is supposed to be. How blessed we are to have had such a great example, all of us who knew him for as long as we were able, for as long as we had. But we're also called to imitate that. We're called to sacrifice for our families, for our beloved uh, friends and extended families, and indeed for our entire community. Sacrifice is demanded. Sacrifice is necessary, but the redemption is so much greater than the sacrifice. If we can just get our arms around that, our heads around, that sacrifice brings with it glory. We'd be far less reluctant to do so. Please stand.